The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Happening this week on your favorite soap opera. It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hi again, soap fans. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, coming to you live this week on the road. We are in the City of Angels, La La Land, Tinseltown whatever you want to call it. We're coming to you this week from Los Angeles, California, and that must mean that we are on the road for the annual Daytime Emmy Extravaganza here on Soap Central Live. It's an hour of predictions, of previews, of anything and everything soap with an Emmy twist. I'm going to be joined this week by three of our favorite soap experts who are going to be giving us their predictions for who they think has the best chance of taking home one of those little winged gold statuettes on Emmy night. Now, if you don't know when the Emmys are, well, it's a good thing you came and listened to the show because we're only two days away from the Daytime Emmys, the 40th annual Daytime Emmys. They're going to be broadcast on Sunday, June 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the HLN Network. Now, remember, this is a live event. So for those of you on the West Coast who are used to seeing these shows on a tape delay, That's not going to happen this year. The show is airing live in every time zone. So be sure to check out HLN at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Sunday, June 16th. If you don't know what HLN is, it used to be known as the Headline News Network. It's now just HLN. So check your local listings for the channel in your area. And of course, stay tuned to SoapCentral.com for the entire Emmy weekend and beyond with our comprehensive coverage of the daytime Emmys. I'm going to be there on the red carpet with All My Children and Days of Our Lives star Chriselle Staus, General Hospital's Haley Pulos. We're going to be bringing you interviews. You'll have photographs. We'll be behind the scenes. We're going to be anywhere that they let us go and maybe some of the places that they won't let us go. So it's definitely going to be a place that you want to go and check out at SoapCentral.com and SoapCentral.com's Emmy Hub at SoapCentral.com slash Emmys. Now, that's a place to check out while we're listening to today's show because I've completely redesigned our Emmy Hub for you. Everything that you could possibly want is now no more than, say, a mouse click away. We've got all of our comprehensive coverage dating back to 2000, and before that, we have Emmy coverage for the years before the internet was really a big thing. If you're into Emmy fashion, we have a complete gallery of all of our red carpet photos over the years. You can see what were the trends, who was dressed well, who was not dressed well. It's a great place to go. We also have the gift bag. You can find out what the celebrities and presenters were receiving over the years. Anything Emmy, you can find it right at SoapCentral.com slash Emmys. And of course, moving forward, all of our daytime Emmy coverage will be there as well. If you would like to play along with us as we make our predictions, 
SoapCentral.com also has this year's daytime Emmy reels. You can watch the reels for free. Find out what the actors and actresses submitted. Find out what you think of those episodes. And maybe you'll better understand why we've made some of the predictions that we've made in today's show. You may think that you know that one particular performer is going to win until you find out what they submitted, and you may change their mind. So who are these experts that are going to be a part of today's show? Well, they are friends to the show. Syndicated columnist and SoapCentral.com contributor Linda Hirsch will be looking at the actress categories. Lead actress, supporting actress, and younger actress. Nelson Branco of Soap Opera Uncensored will be tackling soap opera actors. (laughs) Hopefully he won't get in trouble, but he'll be looking at the lead actor, supporting actor, and younger actor categories. And then the executive editor of Soaps in Depth, Richard Sims, will take a look at the outstanding writing team and outstanding directing team. And when you look at the acting reels, you figure you're looking at how the actors are acting. What are people looking for when they watch the writing and directing reels? We'll talk about that. And the other member on the panel is someone that you get to hear every week on the show. It's me. I'll be offering some of my thoughts. So while Linda Nelson and Richard are explaining why they voted the way they did, I will also be weighing in with my predictions. And something else that's a little different this year, if you'd like to get in on the action, Richard and I have created our own little league where you can make your Emmy predictions over on goldderby.com. You can hurry up and make those predictions up until the time that the Emmys start. You make your predictions, you bet points. It sounds a lot more complicated than it is, but it's a lot of fun. And at the end of this, whoever has the highest total will receive a little special prize, courtesy of SoapCentral.com. So head over to SoapCentral.com slash Emmys, look for the Gold Derby link, and you can play along with us and see exactly how difficult it really is to predict who's going to win a daytime Emmy. So we've now told you what we're going to talk about in this week's show. We've told you when the daytime Emmys are. We've given you all of the information that you need to follow along and make educated predictions. So what do you say we get on with today's show? As I mentioned, today's show has been pre-recorded because we are traveling and getting ready for the daytime Emmys. So you can't call in this week and talk to us live, but you can listen for the number at the end of the show and call our special 24-7 caller feedback line and leave your thoughts and maybe we'll play them in an upcoming show. So without further ado, let's start off with the actor categories and listen to my conversation with soap opera uncensored Nelson Branco's predictions for the 2013 Daytime Emmys. We are going to start off our look at the Daytime Emmys today with predictions, prognostications, whatever you'd like to call them. It's usually just about the same as reaching into a hat and randomly picking a name, which I've actually done in years past to pick winners. I'm joined up first by Nelson Branco, who is the force behind Soap Opera Uncensored. He also has a new YNR book coming out that we'll talk about a little bit later. Nelson, I guess the easiest way to start this off is, would you rather do soap opera actors or soap opera actresses? Okay, that didn't come out probably the way that I wanted it to. But <laughs> well, um, you know, yes, uh, I don't know. It's uh, actresses like Catherine Kelly Lang and Penelope Hughes. I don't know. It's a tough one. Um, is Robert Tucker Kelly still on General Hospital? <laughs> he is not up for a, a nomination. So we'll just we'll we'll try to play it uh, above the table. We're going to start with younger actor. We'll focus on some of the actors, but first the nominees for 
Outstanding Younger Actor or Max Eric, Fenmore Baldwin, The Young and the Restless, Brighton James is Devon Hamilton Winters, The Young and the Restless, Chandler Massey, Will Horton, Days of Our Lives, and Freddie Smith, Sonny Kiriakis, Days of Our Lives. To me, this is the only category that I think is not competitive. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but Nelson, who did you pick to win? I was a big Chandler Massey uh, for the second year in, the ro- in a row. I thought his... Um, I wasn't sure what Chandler was going to submit, um, but uh, when I saw the reels, I thought Max would probably have this, because um, I know Emmy voters sort of love that, you know, complex, dysfunctional, younger actor, um, especially if they're older actors voting in this category. They, they like sort of more subtle dysfunctional um, characters, uh, but I thought the struggle that Chandler portrayed and also um, the confusion that uh, that uh, Sorry Will, <laughs> Will was feeling at those moments, it happened so long ago, I was actually surprised, I forgot, because it seems like Will's been out for for a while now. I, I thought that Chandler had us in the bag, and as we've seen in years past, uh, once you break into the younger categories, you win over and over again, like Jennifer Landon and Jennifer Finnegan mm-hmm. and Sarah Brown. Um, and it, uh, I think it's happened twice with Jonathan Jackson. It hasn't, that trend hasn't happened that many times in the younger actor category, but I think it'll repeat again. Uh, I wouldn't be, you know, horribly upset if Max won, but I think who should win Chandler, who will win Chandler, I think he's a tough one to beat. And I also think the brazen and brave and courageous way that Dave's handled his story has been a really surprise actors who don't watch soaps um, and go, wow, you know, this is great. So the writing was great. The acting was great. I even think the directing was awesome. So, um yeah, so I think he's going to repeat. I agree with you. I think that, that, to me, and this is not to take anything away from any of the other nominees in this category, I just think that this was such a powerful reel. And even sometimes you can be brought down in your reel, I think at least based upon what I hear how people vote, by other people that are in the scene. And I think that Deidre Hall was really great right. in these scenes. And for whatever reason, I mean, I realize obviously it's it certainly isn't a romantic chemistry. It's his grandmother. But I think Deidre Hall and Chandler Massey have really great on-screen chemistry in every scene that I've seen them do together. And I think that that is definitely a big boost when someone's watching a reel. How dare you call Deidre Hall a grandmother? Uh, <laughs> you're going to hell for that. Does it seem to you like Brighton has been nominated for the past 20 years in this younger <laughs> category? I mean, he's got to be like 47 by now, it seems. I mean, come on. Well, I think because you and I have been around the block, you know, uh, a lot. I think you and I were there for his first Emmy nomination, and that's when there were... Ten soaps, and they were in Radio City Music Hall, and they were in prime time on a major network. Yeah, I mean, I w- I thought he was 26. Last. I think he did turn 26, but he, you can submit up until you're 25, so during the calendar year. So, you know, I'm tired. I, I you know, I I think he's an okay actor. I just don't get why this Academy votes for him. I, I don't think there's anything magical or extraordinary about Brighton, and I say that with love. You know, the only thing I find really unique about him is he keeps changing his name on us, but um, you know, um, I can see maybe because of the death storyline, the cochlear implant storyline, maybe, you know, these Emmy voters tend to lean towards social issues in reels, just because they feel like they're 
disenfranchised as a medium, and they have to fight all these stigmas. So when they see, you know, an actor dealing with, you know, something with substance and not surfacey, cliched stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Brighton, like Chandler, I think they sort of go, oh, that's an interesting story. I wish I had that on my show. I think Chandler, this is Chandler's to lose. And uh, who else? Oh, Freddie Smith had a decent uh, reel. It was it was good for his first uh, for his first uh, entry into this race. I'm surprised Casey Dietrich wasn't nominated because I liked his reel a lot more. But I did pick uh, Brighton as my runner-up choice as second in command. But you'd mentioned that that nothing unique in terms of maybe what the character brings. In the Outstanding Supporting Actor, there is an actor with a very unique character, which I think has worked against him. We'll talk about that now. Let me read off the nominees first. Bradford Anderson is Damian Spinelli on General Hospital. Jeff Branson is Ronan Malloy on The Young and the Restless. Scott Clifton, Liam Spencer, The Bold and the Beautiful. Billy J. Miller is Billy Abbott on The Young and the Restless. Those are the nominees. Of course, the unique thing I was talking about is... Bradford Anderson seems to get nominated every year, but I always think that the voters don't understand why Spinelli talks in Spinelli talk and that that's turned him off in the past. But this year, there's not a lot of that in his reel, and I think that this is his strongest chance to win as supporting actor since he's put his name in the hat. I completely agree. I knew when I watched the prenom reel, the two-minute clips, um, that, you know, uh, the Academy got to vote for top 10. I knew that, uh, well, I knew that Bradford had this in the bag. Granted, there weren't, a, this wasn't like a lot, this is the, like, for me, this is the weakest category in terms of, you know, a heated race. Um, I think this is the weakest category. And, um, you know, there, there weren't a lot of great nominees or potential nominees uh, in supporting actors. So I picked, um Right at the pre prenom stage, Bradford to win. I think he should win, and he will win. I'm torn between Bradford Anderson and Scott Clifton because yeah. I think that people remember how the reel ends more than they always remember maybe what was in the reel. And I think of the four nominees, two of the the clips, Jeff Branson and Billy Miller, I I didn't quite understand why they selected the clips that they did, but Scott Clifton's ends on a high note, and I think if that's the last thing that's left in your mind when you're watching the clips, it may score a little higher than some of the others, but I think I would like for Bradford Anderson to win. I think that he should win. I'm just not sure if that's the way they're going to vote. Well, Dan, with all due respect, you're assuming these voters watch the entire reel. You know, some of them just watched the beginning. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, I've talked to some voters. I know how they voted off the record. I've, you know, I've asked them, of course, you know, one or two, three people that you find out how they voted um, per category doesn't mean, you know, dictate a winner. Right. Um, but I like asking people off the record how they voted, how they watched them. I like to know the process so that can inform and make me understand how Shamar Moore could win an Emmy one day, you know? <laughs> so, um, some of them don't watch the entire reels. Um, you know, I know I didn't watch all the reels because I'd seen the episodes. And so sometimes I'd put a reel into my computer and I'd be like, okay, that's what they submitted. I've seen this before. I vividly remember it. I don't have to go through that, you know, the, um, the whole process. 
I also like asking actors and producers and writers in what order do they watch them because I think that also, um, and that's why, you know, I've watched the reels several times because I try to watch them in different orders to see if that, you know, I think most times actors are going to put in the reels of their co-stars and colleagues say, oh my God, you know, I want to vote for them and what did they submit and let's see that. And then they, you know, put in the rest and there could be fatigue or they don't know what's happening. So there's a lot of factors in this process. It's not a science. Um, since I was a, a baby, like, you know, you know, like you in this industry, I, I always, there's no way to, you can't second guess um, yourself. You kind of, at the end of the day, when you make right. predictions, kind of have to go with your gut. And I think actors do that as well. Um, but I think Bradford's going to win. I thought he, he was beautifully written, and he showed so much emotion. I think that he's been in daytime long enough for people to understand that Spinelli has uh, Asperger's syndrome and is a kooky character. I mean, he was nominated for the Jackal last year, or the Dr. P.I., whatever, that detective. Yeah, but just see how that went. That didn't go too well for him. <laughs> that didn't. Well, I knew he wasn't going to to win. But I think uh, he submitted a great reel. I think he's going to win. I think Scott Clifton is my... Uh, so I think who should win? Will wins Bradford. And I do have Scott Clifton as my number two because he submitted, like a good boy, um, the Patrick Mulcahy written scene where he asks Bill, like, why are you interfering in my life? And I don't want to be a man. If you... you you know, like Bill said something like, you're, why don't you be a man? And he's like, I don't want to be a man. Like, you, you think you're a man? It was really beautiful, uh, emotive and um, compelling stuff that I think a lot of people can relate to. And especially with, um, I know with a lot of actors um, and actresses, males aren't written well on soaps. And I thought, I think that Patrick Mulcahy really can, and which is, you know, amazing. Absolutely. Man. You know, he really gets... Uh, he gets both female and male relationships. So I think uh, he has a great written reel. And then his last re- uh, episode is when, you know, uh, he goes and parties with uh, uh, Steffi the night before his wedding to Hope and, and dyes his hair and stuff. So I think there's uh, he, he has a nice balance of comedy and drama. He's also a lead actor, so he doesn't really belong in this category. I um, agree with that because when you look at the nominees for lead actor – Peter Bergman, Jack Abbott, The Young and the Restless, Doug Davidson, Paul Williams, The Young and the Restless, Michael Muni, Adam Newman, The Young and the Restless, and Jason Thompson as Patrick Drake on General Hospital. There are three performers from The Young and the Restless. Can you say that all three of these performers were lead actors in the same calendar year? Yeah, I mean, I think Michael Muni is probably the strongest lead actor in terms of quantity of work. He had a little bit of a dry spell in spring, summer, but he had the Adam blind cataract stuff in the, the winter, and then he came roaring back late summer to the winter. Um, and Peter Bergman had no work last year except for the tail end of it with his whole, you know, um, medical storyline. And then Jason was really strong the first part of the winter, with Robin's death, and he sort of disappeared in the summer or fall. So, um, you know, it, it's, I agree with you. I mean, I think Jason should have submitted himself in supporting. I think Doug Davidson should have submitted himself in supporting. I think Peter Bergman should have. But, you know, the, the crux of this whole thing is in one episode or two episodes, everyone's a lead because they're going to submit the reel that they were the star of. 
We've talked about the nominees for lead actor. Who do you think is going to win? This is a tough one, I think. Well, it got less tough once I figured out what Doug Davidson submitted. I totally thought he was going to submit an Erica Slazak reel where, you know, he's pulling out his hair and shooting his son and going crazy. And it was a visceral performance. Um, it was pretty amazing. Um, but he didn't submit it. He submitted the next day where he's talking to the police. It's long. It's boring. It's not his best work. So when people were like, oh, it's Doug Davidson or Jane uh, Jason Thompson, I was like, yeah, I guess it is. But then I watched the reels, I'm like, okay, Doug's my last pick, actually. Really? Um, wow. Uh, yeah, he's my last pick. Um, I think Jason Thompson is going to win. Uh, sorry, I think Jason Thompson should win and will win. I think Michael Muni is my second pick, and then Peter Bergman, just because people love Peter Bergman. He's always good at what he does. But I love Jason Thompson's reel because there was kind of an arc. It's like, will he, he wakes up in the day, and that single tear is just amazing. It's so natural. And at the end of the day, I think most members of NADA go for the naturalist acting involved. For me, I was surprised. I expected this to be a no contest. I thought I would vote for Jason. However, I thought that the clip was abrupt. Uh, it was everything that I wanted it to be. I mean, I remember episodes. I remember the scenes. I remember thinking that he was a shoo-in for a nomination and more than likely for the award. But then when I watched the short reel, I just felt like there was something missing to me. And I, as much as I wanted to vote for him, I put him second. And I know you put him last on yours. I picked Doug Davidson because there was a... a there was a story involved in it. I thought that Peter Bergman's reel, it, it, it didn't move me in any particular way, and I saw it before in supporting actor for Billy Miller, so a lot of it was overlap, and I thought right. that confused me slightly. Yeah, I like Michael Muni. I love the chemistry that he has with Melissa Claire Egan, and I, I want both of them to win Emmys just so they can get it out of the way and you know, and either move on to other things or at least get that when they're introduced they can be called you know Emmy winner. Doug Davidson, I was bored by his... It was all exposition. It was just him sitting down, telling people what happened. I would have rather have watched it happen. Next up to weigh in with her Emmy predictions is a syndicated columnist who also is a contributor to SoapCentral.com. And if memory serves me correctly, this is the very first time that she's joining us for our yearly daytime Emmy predictions, prognostications, and whatever you want to call it. I'm talking about... Linda Hirsch. You may know her by many other names, but we know her here as Linda. Linda, I'm glad that you have decided to jump into this pool oh, and, yeah. and and pick up some Emmy predictions for us. I've just been waiting for you to call. You got that? <laughs> Sitting by my phone every time, going, is he going to call? Then you don't. Really. It was, it was depressing. Now I feel part of this, so... <laughs> okay, well, you're now part of the official Emmy prediction panel. I've got news for you. This is not necessarily a panel that you want to be a part of because it seems every year we don't do so well. We maybe go 50-50, and that's about it. But we're going to try to make the odds a little bit better. We focused on the actor categories with Nelson in the last segment. But with you, we're going to tackle the ladies. So shall we start off with Younger Actress? Yes, and I've got to tell you, I, I never write about these things. 
I'll, I'll read off the nominees for people. It's Kristen okay. Alderson, Star Manning on General Hospital, Hunter Haley King, Summer Newman, The Young and the Restless, Lindsay Morgan, Christina Davis, General Hospital, Jacqueline McKinnis-Wood, Steffi Forrester, The Bold and the Beautiful. Those are the four nominees this year in the category. Uh, first off, are any of those surprises to you? No, I have to say the surprises in the sense that I, I think one or two of them are not what I would call strong actresses, but then you look at their Emmy reel, although in the words of Peter Bergman, if you can't get four minutes out of 8,000 you know, hours. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I think that they were, they were given a chance, and I, my feeling on that one, really, and I, I, I'm... I like Kristen Alderson, but I'm going to go with, with, you know, Steffi, because that character was, like, conniving and stuff, and I think people kind of liked that. I agree with you. (laughs) I'm going to rethink with that. I'm going to Kristen Alderson. Thank you so much. I've changed my mind. So you've changed your mind that quickly. Yeah, you got it. You've... To know me is to understand. <laughs> well, then, I don't know if I'll ever understand you. I do know you, and I still don't understand you. Okay, so here are my thoughts on these. First, the good part is that there will definitely be a first-time winner, because none of these actresses have won a daytime Emmy. So that's always fun for me, particularly to be there at the Emmys and see the excitement of someone who's a first-time winner. It seems strange to me, Linda, that Kristen Alderson has never before been nominated for a daytime I, Emmy. Yeah. That stuns me, I've got to say. It does. Now, here, I've made my predictions on SoapCentral.com, so folks can see those by heading over to SoapCentral.com slash Emmys 2013. I should have looked at that, and I could have agreed with you. No, we don't want you to agree with me. No, no, no. That takes away the fun. I think that the thing Kristen has going in her reel is that she basically does everything as a soliloquy. There's no one else. She's speaking to mausoleum doors. That's a plus. There yes. are some flashbacks that and allow some, her... And that's better than some of the actors on her show, so yeah. It's Well, it's it's very true. When You you need to be a special kind of actor, I think, to be able to pull off just sort of doing it with no one else in the scene. And the thing that also worked for her is that there were, I think, two or three flashbacks in her reel that showed how she relates to other performers, and they also helped explain what was going on in that story. So I thought that that was great. Uh, Hunter's reel surprised me. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was better than what I remembered it the first time around. I'm surprised by Lindsay Morgan's nomination only because, for me, her best material did not come until 2013, in early January or so, when Trey was killed. That surprised me. Um, I did, though, pick the longest name in soap opera today, Jacqueline McInnes Wood. I think that there was a certain... There was a certain tenderness in those scenes between Steffi and Liam. I like the on-location. No, <laughs> you have to hammer it down. I'll give you another chance. All right, all right. Who's your pick? I'm going to go. And you know, I'm going back to my original, Steffi, and not just because you're, you're saying it. but uh, Because I think that there was that. And, and you know what? I, I think she's going to be the surprise win. Okay. I don't know. To me, the surprise in that category would either be Lindsay Morgan or Hanley Hunter King. I don't think that anyone really expects either of them to win, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I will tell you that the predictions from the online panel at SoapCentral.com, it was mostly Kristen Alderson. I was the only one, including asking fans, I was the only one to pick Jackie Wood on that one. So I'm probably going to lose that category. 
And then they go in with the storyline, and they have to remember that it's not the storyline that everybody's voting on. We've hammered them out. You're sticking with your first choice, yeah, Jacqueline McInnes-Wood. That's also what I predicted. Let's move on to Outstanding Supporting Actress. I think this oh, is going to be category. a horse race, and that doesn't mean... I want people to write in, Linda, and think I'm calling any of these actresses horses. It's just a, a <laughs> terminology. We'll start off with the nominees. Julie Marie Berman, Lulu Spencer, General Hospital. Jessica Collins, Avery Clark, The Young and the Restless. Melissa Claire Egan, Chelsea Lawson, The Young and the Restless. Catherine Kelly Lang, Brooke Logan, The Bold and the Beautiful. And Ariane Zucker, Nicole Walker, Days of Our Lives, like the last category, Kristen Alderson, a first-time nominee, surprise. Catherine Kelly Lang, first-time nominee after, what is it, 27 years of The Bold and the Beautiful. And I don't think she's really a supporting actress, but I'll go with her just so she can have a nomination. Is So let me ask you then, Is you say you're going there just to give her the nomination. Is that also who you're going to pick as the winner, or do you think someone else is going to take this one home? You know, uh I'm going to go with, with Catherine Kelly Lang. Um, she, the reel was beautiful. She did beautiful work. And although the, I have to tell you, there wasn't anybody in this work where I said, you're kidding me. This is like, what? Who told, because lots of times the actors will kill themselves because the reels they pick her. It's why Lucci never went. She kept doing her comedy routines and then realized she's like, no, they don't want comedy. They want to see drama. And she finally won. Yeah, I'm going to go with Catherine Kelly Lang. I think that, um, uh, she did heartbreaking work. And, absolutely. And- absolutely. Now, you know, it's always tough, particularly when you have an existing relationship with nominees that are in a category, to yeah. try to pick someone and have it not be the one who you have the relationship with. Uh, Julie right. Berman's been a guest here on the show many times. I've enjoyed yeah. talking with her. Melissa Claire Egan, love her as well and also have an existing relationship. Ariane Zucker has been a guest on the show. She has a relationship with my mother. They've bonded over who knows what. Oh my uh, gosh. So you have to disqualify yourself. You I have kinda, to recuse yourself. I have to, but I did pick Julie Berman, and let me explain why I picked her to win this. I thought that of the reels in this category, hers seemed the least like acting, which I know seems sort of strange considering this is an acting category. No, but that's what you want. What you said is exactly what you want. But I don't know if that's what voters want. You know, sometimes I think voters want crazy, crying, you know, my baby died, came back as an evil twin, and is now my mother. I mean, I think that's what people want. They want craziness. Right. But hopefully this year, I think from what I gather, the people that voted this year weren't just people who needed a donut and to come in out of the rain. They were people who I think understand the craft a little more. I hope and, so. Yeah. And, and, and pre is not going to work. No, it's it's not. And that's actually one of the other reasons that I picked it, because you mentioned that Catherine Kelly Lang doesn't seem like supporting to you. And that's always the dilemma that I have when I look at these reels, is that to me, supporting means that there's someone else who's the star of the show or the star of the scene or the storyline or whatever it is, and you're there so almost second fiddle to really make the storyline work. And I thought that some of them, like with uh, Melissa and with Ariane and with Catherine, I thought that they actually were the stars of those reels, and I don't know if that should be the reason that you pull it away. But with this scene, Julie was a star for a great deal, but then Tony Geary, who has won 3,000 Daytime Emmys and won't share one with me, just because... 
Well, I have one of his Emmys. He didn't give one to you? <laughs> no. Fine. Oh, that'll be great. We can cut it down the middle. Uh, you know, she had some scenes with Tony Geary, and I really thought that they were they were great. I mean, it, you, you can't have uh, anything go wrong with you when you have Tony Geary in your scene. It's like with All My Children, if David Canary's in your scene. I think for The Young and the Restless, almost everyone had Michelle Stafford in their scenes. I'm like, this Unless, is very, very yeah. smart. Unless you're a bad, uh, you know, you're treated with somebody who's not a great actor, and you're a good actor, then then you can tell. But yeah, she, they all had great scene partners. There wasn't anybody where you went. They, you know. No, you're right. And But my thing with, I want Catherine Kelly Lang to win. I just, uh, I mean, I feel like after 27 tries, there were years that I was absolutely certain that she would get a Daytime Emmy nomination. And then she didn't. And I don't necessarily know that this scene, this reel that was submitted, would be my choice of her best work ever in order to say to win. But the years that I thought she turned in her best performances, she didn't even get a nomination for one reason or another. But it seems to me and we're going to talk about this in the next category, the scenes in which Stephanie died, I almost felt like Susan Flannery was supporting, even though it, you know the scenes wouldn't have happened had it not been for that character, but I felt as though the scenes required so much more work from Catherine Kelly Lang. Yeah. We've talked about Susan Flannery, so I think it's only right that we announce the Outstanding Lead Actress nominees. They are Susan Flannery, Stephanie Forrester on The Bold and the Beautiful, Peggy McKay is Caroline Brady, Days of Our Lives, Michelle Stafford, Phyllis Summers, The Young and the Restless, and Heather Tom, Katie Logan, The Bold and the Beautiful. Four wonderful actresses. Linda, who would you give the Emmy to? Okay, what I would like to call this category is who has the worst illness on a soap opera. Very true. Because that's what this is about. Or dealt with somebody having the worst illness. I'm going to go... Now, McKay is the first actress, by the way, who sent reels to people a gazillion years ago. And she was just lambasted. And as once again, she was ahead of the curve. Um, I'm going to go with Flannery. You know, I, I, I love Michelle's work with, with her work. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I think that Michelle Stafford should win the Emmy just because everyone else submitted reels that had her in it. They were smart. They know that she's an outstanding actress. They said, let's see what ones I've done that has Michelle in it so we can all shine together. I mean, everybody. I mean, Greg, everybody. With the Writers Guild Award, Greg Reichart, they won the award, and people were standing up and applauding. It's for to them me. And, and that award. So, I mean, I agree. And I would, uh, who would I love to have win? I'd love to have Michelle Stafford win. But this is not who I would like to win. And I know Heather. I've known her since she was a kid, and I think she does beautiful work. She does. But I'm going to go with Flannery. I would love for Peggy McKay to win, only mm-hmm. because. Yeah, I love her. And, and this is this is not meant as, as a rub to anyone, but two of the nominees in this category are women who may not be thought of as being coveted by soaps. There are women of a certain age. There's characters that don't typically get storylines and are overlooked for the 20-somethings. I thought that Peggy McKay really brought a vulnerability in the storyline of, of a woman who's in the early stages of Alzheimer's. Uh, I thought that Susan or Flannery was... Or the of our wise virgin of Alzheimer's. Well, I mean, I, I take that out because in that scene, you don't know it. And yes, I, I think if you know more of the storyline, it sort of maybe waters down a little bit of what the clip was. I mean, Susan Flannery going out with a bang, 
uh, in those final scenes. Not going to be back on The Bold and the Beautiful. So, I mean, it really is a farewell. It really is the last time to give her a daytime Emmy. I think that the work was phenomenal. I think that she and Catherine Kelly Lang worked well together. Yeah. Uh, but I picked Heather Tom because I have to say that those scenes where she was ready to walk away from her baby, you know, the postpartum oh, depression, and, you know, the only thing that I have an issue with is I don't think that people will understand the sound over effects of a beating heart. If they don't know the story, they may not understand that she was dealing with the fact that she may have heart failure, that she, you know, may right. die. And I, I think that part of that was lost. But, you know, watching a scene and seeing a woman sort of torn by the fact that she knows that she needs to leave her baby because she thinks she's going to die and not be there for the baby. It was heart, no pun intended, heartbreaking for me. It was heartbreaking. Yeah, and, and I have to say, this isn't like, what, what do you mean? I think this is a tough one. I mean, there's, they're all good, and I think whoever wins in this category, seriously, it's not going to be like, oh my God, how did that happen? We could not have an Emmy prediction show without having a friend to the show come in here and talk about what he thinks is going to result in Emmy Gold. The executive editor of Soaps and Depth magazine, Richard Sims, is back on the show. We can't keep him away, which is actually a good thing. And I think this is the second time, Richard, that you've been on the show to do Emmy predictions. Is that the truth, or am I making that up in my head? It's either my second or my 500th, but I'm not positive which. <laughs> well, I, there are not 500 uh, Emmy ceremonies, so I'm going to say that it's probably the second. I have to go back and look and see how you did last year, because I know that when we talk about this both on the show and certainly off-air, the picking the Emmys, it sort of it's, makes you uncomfortable, I guess, in the sense that you never know what's going to happen, and this is sort of like just putting a, your hand in a barrel and hoping that you pick something that you want. The problem with it is, you know, I think you and I, and and probably some of your other prognosticators, I think when we look and we talk about who we think is going to win, we do it based on watching the reels. And we, you know, that's, that's, we look at the reels and we try and look at them as objectively as we can and we put aside who our favorites are and, you know, whatever, and we we say, okay, based on the acting, this is who I think is going to win. Unfortunately, there's so many things that go into this behind the scenes that you're right. We, we, could be, we could just be pulling names out of the air and have the exact same luck probably because, you know, there's political things that we don't know about. There's, there's you know, two actors may get both score really, really high and end up canceling each other out so someone you would never expect, as we've seen happen in the past, comes in. So, yeah, I honestly, I have such a bad track record at this. I think that the people I pick really deserve to win, but they don't very often. Well, I think for me, the biggest problem that I have when I watch the reels is trying to unring the bell. And I know that I use that phrase a lot when it comes to any time, but try not to remember or try not to have any sort of backstory understanding that when you watch a reel and someone's crying and saying, you know, I lost my baby, try not to realize that, okay, well, yes, you know, it was very tragic. It was, you know, in a flood and the baby went off a hill and in a car and it exploded or, you know, like knowing that backstory, sometimes I feel it's really hard to forget that when I'm watching the reel. And that, I think, sometimes sways 
where my opinion goes, whereas if I were watching something and had absolutely no idea what was going on in any of the reels, I might have a totally different result. Well, it's funny you say that, because when I sat down to watch the reels, and by the way, if anybody's listening, you know, you still have time to watch the reels, and I gotta say, Dan did such a great job on Soap Central. Yes, you could go over to Headline News and try and find the reels, but they're like, it's a mess trying to find them. Dan did such a good job of organizing them and giving you summaries, and and I highly recommend going there to watch the reels because it was awesome and easy. But I, when I sat down to watch the reels, I went into it, and I've never done this before, honestly. I went into it, and I literally watched each reel as if I had never seen the show before. And I tried to judge it based solely on what I was seeing and what the, what the actual category was. Um, so I'll be interested to see if having done it that way and sort of made my decisions that way, I have a better average than I have in the past. <laughs> so let me ask, when you're watching the Emmy reels, obviously when you're watching the acting reels, you watch to see how someone is performing. When you watch the directing, you watch to see sort of the technical aspects of the, the film work and the, the staging and all of that is an encompassing when you watch the writing Emmy reels, you're not actually seeing any written word. So, Richard, for you, what are you looking for? What is the quality that makes you say that an episode is worthy of an outstanding writing team daytime Emmy? That's a great question. Um, and this year, I looked at them completely different. I actually decided this year that where the writing was concerned, I was going to watch the episode, and try and think of it as I'm reading it. You know, I, I really focus mm. on the dialogue really heavily. In the past, I sort of thought of best writing as plotting. This year, I tried to think of it from the point of view of the actual writing. You know, does, does, you know is the exposition well done? Is, is the episode entertaining? Does it entertain me as a whole? from a writing point of view. So that's sort of the, the way that I went this year. Uh, and and when I did that, I really, I came up with a clear winner for me. There was there was really, and, and I, I know what a lot of other people are picking, but I know that for me, from a strictly writing point of view, there was only one Choice well, let me category. read the nominees for Outstanding Writing Team are The Bold and the Beautiful, General Hospital, One Life to Live, and The Young and the Restless. So there was only one clear winner for you. Who was it, Richard? The Young and the Restless. Really? The, yeah. Um, and I am shocked by that. I really did not expect that. But I realized as I was looking at it from a writing and dialogue point of view that it was it was wildly entertaining. It was just, it was, it was a fantastic script, or they were fantastic scripts. It just really, really, really did it. Now, I know a lot of people, I think, are, are leaning in other directions, and I understand it. I mean, I thought all of them were, all of them had things going for them. But for me, in the end, and I, it was, it was the Young and the Russells that worked from a strictly writing point of view. Well, it's funny for me, because when I was watching this particular Episode. It's episode 9,999. It was the uh, 
memorial service, if you really want to call it that, for Victor Newman. And I was watching it for the Outstanding Drama series, and then it was paired with the episode that came right after it. One of the things that I found myself doing was laughing at a lot of the dialogue in the church where Abby was leaning over and saying, you know, what a slut. Oh, she's a whore. She's and I thought it was funny, and I was chuckling. But I don't know if the funny aspect of somebody, me sitting going, wow, that's really witty. That's something that I wish somebody would say next to me when I'm in church watching a sham memorial service. But I don't know if that is gripping drama writing, where you have something like General Hospital, where the whole town may be on the verge of death because the water supply has been tainted with some unknown pathogen. Or you have the drama of a much-loved character passing away. Uh, I mean, there, there wasn't necessarily a lot of dialogue for on The Bold and the Beautiful when Stephanie passed away. But I think that, you know, there were, there were nuances. There was, I think... Uh, Little bits and pieces of when there there was dialogue, I thought it was great. You know, uh, Brooke relating about I, the story tale, uh, the storybook thing where you know, it's a, a cranky old woman and a young beautiful woman and they don't get along. And Stephanie says it sounds familiar to me. That I think is clever. Uh, again, if you know the history of the of the two characters, so I don't know. Well, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. Again, I, I agree with you a million percent, but I also. The thing that I did this year that I have not done in the past is I watched, I tried to watch episodes as if I had no knowledge of the show except what I was watching. And when I did that, the pathogen story didn't really make sense to me. Uh, the, the, well, the beautiful stuff was, it, it was, you know, it was lovely. I mean, it was, it was beautiful, but I didn't know their history. Um, I mean, I clearly, I really do, but I was pretending not to. Whereas on The Young and the Restless, I didn't feel like I really needed to know the his- needed to know the history. I was enjoying what they were doing. I was enjoying the dialogue. I was enjoying it was a little bit over the top and it was fun. But I really, really felt like um like I felt like the Golden Beautiful stuff did not work if you had never seen the show before. Mm-hmm. You didn't know what the history of these two characters were. And yeah, they were sort of trying to explain it to you, but the 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 real reason that those scenes are so dramatic is these are two women who hated each other all their lives and only in the last couple of years came to a truce and, you know, um, really came to understand and love each other. That is something you would never know if you were just watching the show, watching well, that then, episode, the only other except soap for the fact that they told you. The only other soap that we haven't talked about, then, is One Life to Live. For people, then, who are watching these clips, do you think that they had to put out of their mind the fact that One Life to Live was going off the air at the time this episode was written? And if you do, certainly anyone who's watching and voting on this works in the soap opera industry. There's a beautiful retrospective about the fans of a fictional soap opera and you know how they've been together for 43 years, and it's... Whether you watch the show or not, the people who are watching it, they're in the world of soaps. Soaps are going off the air at that time uh, that the show aired. There are only four left on network television. Doesn't that appeal then to anybody, no matter who's watching it and thinking, oh my gosh, this is is dead on. This is why we love the fans. This is why we love our soaps. So doesn't that give One Life to Live sort of a, a, a leg up on the other three? If I had to pick which one will win, as opposed to which one I thought should win, I would say probably One Life to Live, and you're right. It's for exactly that reason. I mean, 
Um, but again, when I watched the One Life to Live episode, I tried to watch it as if I didn't know that this was the last episode, and um, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was the, the soliloquy was beautiful, but there was a lot of other stuff that just it felt sort of as it would norm as you would expect. It felt sort of you know it felt like everything was coming to an end, and it's hard to explain. But from the point of view that I was trying to watch things. Which, which is from the point of view of not knowing anything about it, it didn't, a lot of it didn't feel natural. It felt um, very forced. But again, you brought up a really good question, and, you know, when I was talking about how much I was enjoying The Young and the Restless and I was laughing during it and stuff, you said, well, you know, you pointed out that it's outstanding drama writing and is that drama. And, and that's a really good question. You know, do they take the drama thing seriously? And again, it all comes down to, in the end, we can't get inside the minds of the voters and know what the heck they're they're making their decision based on. And, you know, when we talk about what are people looking for, I think that the outstanding directing team is another one of these categories because three of the nominees have really, really intense camera work. One, I don't think, really does. Um, the nominees for outstanding directing team are The Bold and the Beautiful, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, and The Young and the Restless. For The Bold and the Beautiful, their submitted episode was shot entirely in Italy. So to me, knowing that this is outside and this is another country, that's pretty special. It gets some bonus points for me. Days of Our Lives, it had a big explosion, which to me was probably very expensive to do. There was a lot of really, really good directing in the sense that they had to probably capture these scenes at just the right angle and they only had one shot and done or they would have missed it because they certainly couldn't spare the expense of recreating it you have General Hospital a lot of their particular scene was shot outside on the wharf and there was shooting and there were explosions and bombs being diffused and again on location outside of the studio you get bonus points for me because that seems to be something that would be inherently more challenging than shooting in a studio where they do it 250 some days a year and have you know sort of gotten to the point of, of knowing what they need to do and then you have the young and the restless which on the surface didn't have the sort of bells and whistles that the other three did with being in another country or being outside or having things exploded it wasn't really until the end when they you know interspersed some uh, stock footage of fireworks and had somebody flying out of a window when you look at that compared to the other three, you think, okay, this can't possibly stand a chance. That's what I thought. Is that correct, or are you going to do the same thing with YNR that you did in the writing category and say that that's what they needed to do in order to win? No, I agree with you completely. I agree with you completely. Um, I I struggle with this category mainly because, for uh, you know, General Hospital does what it does very, very well, and it wins with it. You know, it, it does. it's... It, I believe it won with the carnival. It won with, uh, I think, the Metro, uh, the Metro Court hostage crisis. Mm-hmm. They know how to stage big events. I thought Dave did a nice job. It was, it was, you know, very well done, but it wasn't to the level of what General Hospital does. And I agree with you completely. I, I, I love the Bold and the Beautiful stuff. Bold and the Beautiful is amazing to me, and I mean this on a daily basis. Um, no other show does, no other current soap opera does what they do, which is they go outside the studio all the time for the littlest things. You know, they'll just they'll take Rick and, and, and Maya shopping. They'll just they'll go outside for any reason. 
and it gives you such a sense of place. No other current soap opera has the sense of place that The Bold and the Beautiful does. But as beautiful as Italy was, it kind of felt at times like a travel log. Oh, you know? absolutely. No, um, absolutely. That was my concern, is that every time they had a chance to cut away, they showed 30 to 45 seconds of beautiful. Uh, it's very, very beautiful. I don't want the people in Italy to think that I'm... Uh, Anti-Italy, that certainly isn't the case. I'd love to go. If they want to send me a, a trip ticket and show me around the country, I would love to come. But, and he's not allowed to go unchaperoned, so I would go with him. <laughs> but, you know, it was beautiful. But I, I look at it then again of, do they get points for being able to find those beautiful shots to put into the episode to make it look beautiful? Or do they get sort of docked some points because then it's sort of lazy that they can fall back on, ooh, pretty pictures, look at Italy, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Well, and not only that, but, you know, yeah, Italy, it's beautiful. Point the camera at it and shoot, and it's gorgeous. Whereas, you know, with General Hospital and the climax of the pathogen story, as much as I didn't like the pathogen story, to be honest, those scenes, you know, they're out on the dock and you got Dante drop kicking people and you got, you know, explosions and that, if we're looking at it from a directorial point of view, that's clearly much more complicated to stage than is pointing at, you know, pretty pictures in Italy. Uh, so to me, yeah, General Hospital wins this hands down, as they usually do. You know, they're, they're good. Like I said, they, they know what they do well. And that is one of the things that they do really, really well. So I don't, I don't see them really having any competition. The thing that surprises me, and I mean, I, I don't mean to sort of diminish anyone's Emmy nomination because, again, I'm someone who has zero Emmy nominations, zero Emmy wins. Actually, I haven't been nominated for anything. But the thing that I, I can't help getting past is the fact that The Young and the Restless, for so many years dominating the dominated the directing category. I mean, they have 24 nominations, they have 10 wins. There for a period of time from like 1985 through 2006, they were nominated every single year. If they were nominated, they were almost guaranteed of winning. And I sort of look at the show now and wonder what's happened that they don't you know, is the Young Larissa sort of resting on the fact that it's been number one in the ratings and maybe they don't need to do anything tricksy? But General Hospital, which hasn't been number one in the ratings, has won, what is it, 11 times, I think? 10 or 11 times is outstanding drama series, and they're always doing some sort of special event year after year after year. And I think they're really the only soap that you can count on to have an annual spectacle. At least one. I think the thing, but I think the thing to remember is when I think many of those years when the Young and the Russells was basically dominating in the directing category, soaps were different. You know, we didn't necessarily have. You know, you didn't have General Hospital staging carnivals and shoot and and on location shootouts and all that stuff. You know, so so it was a much more intimate kind of thing that was being nominated and being looked at across the board. So it would almost be weird for the Young and the Rest to suddenly be mounting the kind of events that General Hospital does because, you know, as much as, as much as naysayers of the medium like to say all soaps are the same, those of us who love and, who, who, who love and know soaps know that that's not true. Every single soap is completely different. 
and and or at least should be when they start trying to be what the others what each other are is when they get in trouble. So for the young and the restless to suddenly stage like you know some big outdoor explosion pathogens uh, flying through the air and you know. They just don't do that well. Maybe I mean, not. That it's something. I mean, I, I get that. The certain the the really huge uh, adventure type movie storylines are definitely General Hospital. But The Young and the Restless has had stuff in the past that have been event worthy. Uh, certainly, there was the construction site uh, debacle of a, a couple of years ago. I actually think maybe they did win an Emmy for that. Well, let me tell you, when <laughs> this, this cracks me up, I was editing uh, one of the sections of the magazine, Star Talk, and we were asking various actors, is there a particular storyline on your soap that you would just like to basically pretend never happened? And the reason I bring that up is uh, Josh Morrell basically brought up the reliquary story. He's like, did I have fun filming that? Oh, oh heck yeah. I was like kicking people and, you know, Don Diamant was killing people with his thighs and, and it was it was exciting and it was something so much different than what we normally do. But it was also the worst story we ever told. You know, he was like, that just should be erased. He like, ask any fan what the word reliquary means to them and they will just roll their eyes and, you know, throw up in the back of their throat. So I just don't think that Y&R is sort of big event ready. And I don't want them to be, really. I like Y&R's more intimate nature. You know? Emmys don't pay the bills. You can have all the Emmys in the world you want, but that ain't gonna pay the bills. It's a matter of pride, but I. But in the end, we all know ratings are king. Like the daytime Emmys, Soap Central Live has a very strict time constraint, and we can't go over, so there will be no Jill Farron Phelpsing at the end of the show here. Instead, we're going to end things right now and thank our very special guests, Nelson Branco, Linda Hirsch, and Richard Sims for dropping by. Now, I know that you noticed that we are missing a couple of categories here on the show, most notably outstanding drama series. Well, you will be able to find out who our experts are picking for Outstanding Drama Series by heading over to SoapCentral.com slash radio. It's our official homepage. While you're there checking out who the picks are for Outstanding Drama Series, you can also listen to any other episode of Soap Central Live that we've ever broadcast. You can download the episodes. You can stream them. Whatever you want, it's entirely free. And you can also, again, listen to today's show or share it with your friends. There are a lot of options for you there. I hope that you will be back with us next week when we do a daytime Emmy wrap-up. You'll hear some interviews with your favorite stars, possibly winners from the daytime Emmys, and we'll be breaking down who won, who was wearing what, and we'll be taking your calls to see what you thought of the 40th annual daytime Emmys. So until then, this is Dan Kroll saying I will see you on the red carpet for SoapCentral.com's annual daytime Emmy red carpet coverage. Visit SoapCentral.com all weekend long to see what we're up to, and we'll see you back here next week, Friday, June 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, for the continuing saga of Soap Central Live. Have a great week, everybody. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.